iTunes Celebrity Playlist Podcast. Pearl Jam. Hi, I'm Jeff Amitt. Hi, this is Stone Gossard, and you're listening to our Celebrity Playlist Podcast on iTunes. I consider them to be a shared list, but there's those that may argue that they're not actually shared. They're to run concurrently or in parallel, but I'm mixing them in my mind. I, th- I think I think at this point we share some DNA, probably. Yeah, so. I think we just it's just one <laughs> list. It's for it's for both of us. And my first song is Simon and Garfunkel's Sound of Silence. It was the first song outside of church that I sang along with a song that wasn't a church song with my first grade class. And it was the first time that I sang along to something where I felt kind of the hair stand up on the back of my neck. And funny enough, the teacher's name wasn't Mrs. Robinson, but it was Miss, Mrs. Robertson. I think for years I thought it was Mr. Robinson. I thought, man, that's just a really cool. I love that song. I heard it on, I remember listening to it on the radio in, I don't know what year, it'd probably be 71 or 72 or whatever. What, I don't know what year it came out, but just driving around my parents' station wagon, they're just on AM radio, you know, just hearing that. And the whole family loving it, like knowing right away that it was like everybody paid attention to it. It was so big. People talking without speaking, people hearing without listening. People writing songs that voices never share. No one did disturb the sound of silence. Fools that I do not know. Jeff emailed me Simon and Garfunkel, The Sound of Silence, and then I emailed him right back. I just said Gary Wright, because I was just trying to think of another song right around that time that I was like that affected me. And I think it was a little bit later, but um, I remember my babysitter had an eight track and she came over and she played Gary Wright's record that has My Love is Alive and Dreamweaver on it. I thought I had heard something brand new with the dance beat that I was hearing. So that's what this one is called, My Love is Alive by Gary Wright. Incredible key bass. My heart is on fire My second choice is Proud Mary by Credence. And you know, the first time that I actually heard that song, my mom had a copy of the Ike and Tina Turner version of it. I remember my mom dancing. I don't think I ever saw my mom dance after that, but she was dancing in front of the stereo at Proud Mary. And a couple years later, my uncle played me the Credence version, and I immediately thought that they were ripping off Tina Turner and was corrected by my uncle. I love that song. Creedence Clearwater Revival. That's what Josh Taft and I used to listen to. His mom and dad played it, one of my oldest friends. So they played it a lot at their house. So I would go over there and have big dance parties and eat quesadillas and jump around in the living room with no furniture in it and dance to Creedence. And those records sound so good, man. And the playing on it and just the sensibility of all the different players and how they're just like, it's so rudimentary and then it just is so huge as well.
Sex Pistols, I never really understood, which is insane. But I ne- it, it took me actually till I think sophomore year in high school where I finally heard them in the right situation that made me go my jaw drop in terms of how incredible they were. I just never heard it. it was a little bit like like I didn't really like Van Halen growing up until really I saw them play live later on. So, uh, but anyway, at one point I heard the Sex Pistols and they tore my head off and I understood something about rock and punk rock and the combination of those two things that I'm still loving today. And I know Jeff was into the Sex Pistols pretty early, but what turned me on about this song just recently was um, hearing it on KXP, which is the greatest radio station of all times. Their playlists are so fantastic and they knew just the right one to play for me and it was uh, No Feelings. I had that record on a cassette with Highway to Hell on the other side of the cassette. Mm, and that's crazy. played the hell out of yeah. that thing in high school. Um, and it was the same thing. Yeah, yeah. It was the same like... Have a couple of beers and just shake your head around and laugh. The playing on that is so great. On that particular track, the guitar tones and the drumming and the bass playing is a perfect amalgamation of like roots of hard rock and yet not obnoxious in any level it was like raw like really cranked up twin reverbs or something with like some like super the loudest amps of all they're just like it just sounds so loud and so incredible but the playing it's like so rooted and like i don't know it's the best Super aggro Chuck Berry. Yeah, just and the right chord changes. Like the chords are all like pop chords, and yet they're not. They're not gratuitous, or I don't know. Anyway, perfect. My next song is Black Sabbath by Black Sabbath. I had no idea what was in store for me when my cousin Tina bought that record. Uh, they were out visiting from Oregon. They are out in Montana. And she went down to Woolworths and came back with that Black Sabbath record, played it on my grandma's stereo. And I remember hearing the first, mm. like the rain falling. Yeah. And I was looking at the cover and there's that witch on yeah. the cover. And then when that first chord came yeah. in, it just scared the get out of me like i never ever had heard music before like that in my life and it scared me and it's the same cousin that took me to go see the exorcist when i was like 11 years old Mm -hmm. and i had horrible nightmares for three years i couldn't tell anybody (laughs) about because they were directly opposed to my catholic upbringing My next song is going to be The Pretender's Precious. I picked it. I just remember that song striking me. I think I was in ninth grade or something like that, or maybe 10th grade. And it was like kind of right when I was starting to really love music even more and start to really try to identify the kinds of music I really liked and buy records and stuff like that. And there's a lot of people that were into the police and the pretenders and stuff. And it took me a little bit of time before I really got it. But once I heard, I think it was this song, Precious by The Pretenders, that made me kind of one 
just think that that was fantastic the song but also chrissy hind and her personality and her female expression and her how she inhabited the sort of hard rock punk rock pop music how she inhabited songs was just arresting i thought she was magnificent so that's and the guitar solo on that song man honeyman scott the, yeah. the breakdown thing where the there's a solo every kind of a throwback sort of a way to do a solo but where there's just a little i think there's eight different solos or something during that section but he was such a cool player he skipped the fifth and euclid avenue was real precious hotel still in coming in the view how it's pity that you bruised my hip because i'm precious you shouldn't let your manners slip your too my next song in lieu of the beep is <laughs> Heaven Tonight by Cheap Trick. I had some friends that had earlier Cheap Trick records, but the first Cheap Trick record that I bought was Heaven Tonight, and I bought it on 8-track, and it was one of the three 8-tracks that we listened to uh, out at my skate ramp. So I just associate, as heavy as that song is, I actually associate that song with summer and having fun with my friends and that song just the way that those chords the chord progressions mm. in that song and stuff yeah. were hugely influential in the first songs that i ever wrote that was what i gravitated yeah. towards was those climbing minor scale yeah that song has got some heavy sort of classical sort of substructure underneath it you know what i mean like it just you can feel like this massive it's got a big harmonic thing going on it's beautiful and I think when I was a kid, I think I thought that song was about dying, but it was actually about doing drugs, I think. Yeah. We're kind of jumping around here, but I'm jumping up to the mid-80s now with Frankie Goes to Hollywood, which it was just a period of time where I sort of got more turned on to dance music and more turned on by, I don't know, things outside of what I normally had listened to. People I was hanging out with they all had pretty eclectic tastes and nobody could be tied down to one particular thing for too long. And so I think Frankie Goes to Hollywood sort of appreciating that track and Trevor Horn's production is, you know ridiculous and i think it changed how records could be heard i don't think i appreciated any of that music until the last few years yeah. like i i was such a punk rocker at the time that kind of this people that went to scoochies and stuff yeah. i just had a i just had a, this crazy aversion to it and couldn't open my ears enough to even hear it relax by frankie goes hollywood That's a pretty good segue into my next one, which is David Bowie fame. 
kind of similar to Cheap Trick. I had friends that were totally into Bowie before that, and I it was mostly like girls in my school that were into Bowie, and I never really got it until I heard that song. And I remember being out at this little cafe and having breakfast, and somebody played that song on a jukebox. And I think it was right around the same time that I heard Beast of Burden by the Stones, crazy enough. Bowie continues to just reveal all sorts of incredible things to me every time I listen to his music. And I just read a book about the the Berlin years, and he's one of my favorite artists of all time. I just heard uh, Nightclub and on KXB they played that. God, and it's one song. of the great, and that's got to be Bowie. He's got to be in on that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's yeah, the, yeah, he made that's that all Berlin, right? Yeah, that's yeah. like... It's just such a haunting, beautiful, weird dance track. You know, it's like, so good. go with just a big huge it was a video that affected me it was a song at a time that i just i just really liked but it's george michael and the song's father figure i just remember being struck by the lyric and the and the playing and the again it's got some big chordal changes in there that are that are pretty beautiful i think it's probably a a hymn in some way as well so um and i like hymns anyway that's what this is george michael father figure My next song is Motorhead No Class. I first heard Motorhead when I moved to Seattle and I was hanging out with the guys in the Accused and that was pretty much all they were listening to at that point. And my friend Chewie, who played bass in the Accused, God rest his soul, made me a tape of Motorhead songs. Had a huge, huge effect. I mean, that sort of actually kind of turned back into listening to heavy metal again. And I I had listened to heavy metal in probably three or four years up to that point. And, uh, you know, I wasn't very soon after that that i was listening to dio and <laughs> modern <laughs> day black sabbath and stuff that maybe it wasn't quite as cool as motorhead but to this day that's it's some of the most energetic heavy rock music ever made yeah motorhead is uh absolutely the sort of central band in terms of me thinking and and feeling a music that didn't care whether it was punk or heavy metal and it was it just it described that perfectly because I remember just seeing kids with motorhead shirts and they were all kinds, you know, but they all loved that heavy, like abandoned blues chord changes and up tempo, you know, bombast and um and and incredible lyrics, incredible points of view, a whole state of mind that had a lot of energy in it. Did you ever meet Lemmy? Nope. I, I met him once. <laughs> How was it? Good times. Actually, I was. Were you at the? I was dating a girl. I was dating a girl in Los Angeles, and she said, "Hey, I'm taking bass lessons tonight. Can you come pick me up at this house?" And I went to go to this 
little apartment in West Hollywood. And I rang the doorbell, and Lemmy answered the door. Mm. And I said, uh, hey, I'm here to pick up so-and-so. Is she here? And he's like, yeah, wait outside. Kid. So I waited outside. <laughs> Finally she came, but he was ice cold. I think he had a thing for this girl. Yeah. But I just remember being absolutely shocked. Like, <laughs> open the door and Lemmy was there. All right, I'm uh, I'm going uh, to the Gap Band with uh, "You Dropped a Bomb on Me." Awesome song, man! And uh, I just like it because the blapping, blapping, blappings. Um, this the most rudimentary funk drums on it that you could ever possibly imagine. It's like they're so stripped down and they're so heavy, and they just describe a whole musical reality where craziest, stiffest, and simplest backbeat can create the funkiest track and it's i love it it's the drums are space man yeah incredible amount of space incredible performances on it there's you the gap band Back to the other end of the spectrum with uh, Black Flag, Gimme, Gimme, Gimme. God, there's a whole bunch of bands from that era that had a profound effect on me. I mean, Dead Kennedys, it could be any one of the Dead Kennedy songs or any of the Boston Hardcore records. But for some reason, there's a handful of Black Flag songs, and this one being at the top of the list, that are, it's a song that I sing all the time whenever I'm feeling a certain way. And I think it's usually when I catch myself being greedy, find myself singing that song. And there's two really different versions of that song. There's a version of Ed Henry Rollins sings that everybody knows, but I actually sort of prefer the Des Kadena one, which is the one that was recorded the year before that. You know the world's got problems. I've got problems of my own. They're the kind that get me so when I'm at a bomb. Give me, give me, give me! Give me some more. You know I gotta go out, get something for my head. If I keep on doing my next pick, uh, I think, is the most recent, um, and it's uh, uh, I attribute it to KEXP again, my favorite radio stations, because um, even the laziest of music buyers like me can always be listening to incredible music because that's what they play um anyway they played this song it's a band called the heavy and uh it's a song called how you like me now um and if, i think it is maybe it's a james brown sample or it's close to a james brown yeah. sample as you can get without yeah I, i'm pretty sure that but thing is a sample their take on james brown is fantastic real good and um 
I actually should probably just pick a James Brown song, but this one's pretty damn good too. The bass and drums in it are just slugging it out. I think we need to hear a little bit of that. The heavies, how you like me now? My next song is Jane's Addiction Mountain Song. The first time I think that I heard Jane's Addiction was, I think Stone and I went to see them play. It was sort of a showcase show. Yeah, for nobody them. was there. And somebody somebody took, somebody from the industry took us to the show. Perry was on the bar. Yeah, and Perry was like in full. It was, it was kind of a stripped down kind of Jane's Addiction show though, compared to what we saw after that. But he was, yeah, he was on the bar and he was messing with his spx 90 effects unit the whole time and it was just a really incredible uh marriage of uh really groovy uh kind of african drumming and heavy metal guitar and then perry's deal which was you know totally just perry like flamboyant and in some ways it was it was sort of i think it really had a big it had at least from my end it had a pretty big effect on what mother love bum became Mm. like it let us know that it was okay to be lots of different things. And I think, if I remember correctly, I think we probably walked out of that show going, that was cool, but not like Jaws dropped. Like, But then I think maybe after we saw them play the next time. At the Scream. When we played with them, we opened yeah. up for them, and then we saw the majesty of their, like, they had been playing then for a year. And I think what we realized was the show that we saw was- Club Lingerie. F- Club Lingerie. The show at Club Lingerie was like four- a&R people. I think it was like yeah. a show that they were doing as a showcase yeah. and it wasn't, there wasn't that many people there. It was sort of, I think it was sort of, maybe they didn't even announce it or something. We got in on, you know, I don't know what it was, but we saw them in one setting and then saw them just in front of destroy 2000 people. in front of 2000 people, just everybody knowing every lyric and just ballads and epic heaviness and folk and, and yeah. Lou Reed and, you know, all of it combined, which was just incredible. So hats off to Jane's Addiction. And we got to play that song with him at Austin City Limits, which was definitely top 10 highlights for me. My next song, I was going to do Shaka Khan, I'm Every Woman, because uh, I like it. But I, I've now changed my mind, and I'm going to go with Aaliyah, Try Again, which um, I think it might be the funkiest keyboards in the history of modern pop R&B. And I'm not sure who plays it, but it's a Timbaland production. It's one of the greatest keyboard performances of all times, and it's a great lyric. She's fantastic. It's sad that she's not still making records. Let you in, know it to be yourself Or play a role, tell all the boys I'll keep it low If I say no, will you turn away Or play me off, or would you stay off If don't succeed Dust yourself off and try again You can dust it off and try again try 
My next song is a prog band that I really fell in love with in the late 80s, early 90s. My friend Quinn Dusenberry turned me on to this band, Marillion, a British prog rock band who've obviously listened to a lot of Genesis, uh, Lamb Lies Down in Broadway kind of era Genesis. And the thing, I mean, other than the music, which is incredible, but the thing that I really, really, really fell in love with was Fish's lyrics, kind of the first prog music where I thought the lyrics were really heartfelt, really, really raw and and honest. And the song that I picked is That Time of Night, which is uh, from an album called Clutching at Straws, which is uh, a record that it's usually when I'm by myself and I kind of know nobody else is around, but I'll just put that record on and crank it and it just treats me right every single time. We got a couple picks left. Second to the last for me is Radiohead. And there's, you know, there's so many tracks you could pick in in regards to that band. And I think my feeling is their impact has been so felt in terms of how far they've pushed themselves as a band and how far they've come from the beginning and how wide their sort of uh, influence is and, and how intense their sort of harmonic blend is it really has an effect on me every time i hear that band i feel like i'm stoned and i'm not but this song in particular and i think this came off hail to the thief and again that's maybe that's even a record that was sort of post kid a right it was like maybe yep. right after kid a so it was it was sort of people weren't paying kid a was so big that it was thief. so controversial too man kid a yeah. like, oh my god everybody had a, an opinion but anyway, it's uh, I think it's kind of their take on Neil Young in some ways. That kind of them, it's they're pretty simple on the song and it's pretty straight ahead. And I, I appreciated that you can do that as well as anyone as well. Um, and it's called Punch Up at a Wedding. And I think lyrically, always incredible. That particular line just um, is like a book. You can just think about that line for a second, and it says a lot. Particularly an English wedding. I want to. That's what I'm thinking about. Is a punch up in an English wedding where a few pints have already gone down, probably. And I love Radiohead, and this is a punch up at a wedding. My last song is by a Tanzanian artist named Hukwe Zawose. He uh, was a Tanzanian witch doctor. He passed away maybe four or three or four years ago. And uh, I, I was lucky enough to see him play live a couple times, but he had these incredible hand-built giant kalimbas, and he had a special name for them, and I'm not sure what they were, but they were all hand-painted, and he just played the hell out of them. And his nephew sang with him, and they both had this sort of throat singing thing that they did that they would kind of sing rhythmically and then they'd go into this throat singing mode and it would just absolutely take you to another planet when you heard it or if you saw him do it live. But And there was such incredible joy on his face when he was playing that it seemed to me that whatever he was doing was 
maybe one of the purest, greatest things that any human being could be doing. It seemed like he was reaching some really unique state only to him. This song, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it right, but this is a Tizo La Amani Duniani, which is uh, on Long Way Down. I guess we have uh, one one last song, and then we have bo- one bonus song each we're going to pick. Jeff Amon hasn't told me what his bonus know, song, which is, is great. It's a bonus song, Jeff Amon. But my last song on our collective list is I'm going with Bob Dylan. I don't really think I even began to understand Bob Dylan even a little bit until about five or six years ago. So I'm a new Dylan fan. But the more I hear and the more I get into him, the more I, I just think that he's got a unique opinion. But it's I think it's and it's all I think driven it's his is his love for the blues and his lyrics, his love for words and his love for tales and for allegory and metaphor and and art this one's called it's not dark yet but it's getting there and the reason why i picked it is because i think this is the first song that i actually was listening to where i remember bawling like a baby and i i don't think i had done that and at the time i don't think i'd done that for a long long time and i think there's something about the lyric and the particular mood i was in where it released something in me and that's the sad i think it might be the saddest it's like a cormac mccarthy book all in one song or something like that in terms of the despair that's in there and the inevitable loss and death for that matter but it's such a great hook it's so incredible and i think it's probably has something to do with daniel lanois too playing i think there's a hook in there that dan lanois plays that is critical to making it even more than just bob dylan and bob dylan by himself is you know an incredible force obviously huge the hugest almost he can always use a foil and i think in that particular case uh, lanois did a great incredible job if in fact he played on it i'm not sure he actually did but i think he did she put down in writing what was in her mind i just don't see why i should even care Not dark yet, but it's getting there. My last song, which is uh, I'm, I'm gonna, it's a band called Mid Lake, and the song is called Acts of Man. I first heard them maybe a year ago or a year and a half ago on KXP again. I heard uh, this song called Roscoe. So went home immediately, downloaded the song, and so it pops up every once in a while on my iPod. But that song Roscoe is almost kind of a Fleetwood Mac kind of a song. Like it's a really incredible pop song. And this new record, Courage of Others, is way more of like a 60s folk record or something. It's super heavy. And it kind of reminds me of Pentangle or something kind of from that era. But the lyrics are really super incredible. And they did a really good job at creating a certain kind of a vibe in this new record. And it's totally different than their last record. And I can't wait to see them live. Mid Lake. Of Lord 
have a bonus pick I'm, I'm actually going to go back in time and, and hit a little more heavy metal because uh it's a i'm a little light on the heavy metal but um this band was sort of the apex of heavy metal i think i pretty much stopped listening to heavy metal after i was so worn out by merciful fate but they uh they sort of epitomize the sort of apex of both satan worshiping and um <laughs> complex guitar bass arrangements always with the incredible groove going through them all like the tightest funk band and uh, it's very strange singer who only sang up either in the highest of octaves or the lowest and might have been really the key to the cookie monster singers of today yeah. i think he was really the he, he was the gateway drug for the for the cookie monster singers because he had two weapons he was like and down i didn't think it was real when my friend yeah, was, perry played me that music i was yeah, like it's, it's weird they're, it's, that, it's they're playing weird. that through something if you don't if you haven't heard it before it sounds a little dated probably too but anyway um, this song is called Desecration of Souls. It's Merciful Fate. And uh, it's on a, a, an album called Don't Break the Oath. And uh, I remember at the time I was going out and drinking lots of beer with my friend Regan Hagar. And we'd come back from the uh, clubs and stay up late listening to music. I think we listened to this record for a whole year. We'd always come back to it. I guess I just had, Jeff had a shout out to Satan on his list with Black Sabbath. And I felt like I needed to have a <laughs> shout out to Satan as well. And that was a delight, Jeff Amon. I can't tell you how happy I was to be in a collaborative event like this with you. And thanks, Tim Bierman, for um, encouraging us. Yeah, the ping-ponging thing was really fun. Yeah. It was a fun 24 hours to actually just go back and forth and tell each other what songs we really liked and had a big, profound effect on mm -hmm. us. It did. It really was almost the most fun we've had together. It's like, it was good. It was, it's sort of like reliving our entire time together. I loved it. it so, uh, anyway, <laughs> that was fun. iTunes Celebrity Playlist Podcast.